magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. Good morning. It is Tuesday, January 16th, seven minutes after nine. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning. So the base is angry. At least that's what it seems like after the 24 Iowa caucus is over. And unlike four years ago, the results are in and it happened very quickly. President Trump swept all but one of Iowa's 99 counties to get a 30-point victory over Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. He only lost that one county by one vote. Well, so we talked about this yesterday that this would either be the greatest political upset in American history, like take Dewey defeats Truman times 10, or this was going to be a, a you know a bloodbath, and it was a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. And you look at where Trump won, how he won, and it is a clear message that the American, the, the Republican primary base voter, which I think New Hampshire is a different animal. I think Iowa is more in touch with the kind of the traditional Republican primary base than a New Hampshire w- will be coming up. They have essentially said 2020 was fixed. We got screwed. Trump was a good president. And you can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges. <laughs> and the resume didn't matter. The, the actions didn't matter. The way the person was going to govern didn't matter. I, I mean, on paper, Ron DeSantis completely blows Donald Trump on all those things out of the water. And the great thing about voting is people can have any reason they want to go and vote. You have a reason. It might be different than me. My reason might be different than Kevin. Mine is mostly born out of revenge. Yours might be better public policy. But we're, our votes all count the same. I mean, unless it's in like Pennsylvania and then people just start maybe <laughs> filling out ballots that weren't theirs and sending them back or you know in Michigan where mm-hmm. you know they just shut the counting down in the middle of the night then magically a bunch of votes show up but I digress Casey mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I'm what I'm saying is the Republican primary base voter is sending a message that they are they in their mind are going to take their country back this fall now will it work out I think Donald Trump has got a lot of hurdles that he's going to have to overcome. I think he's going to have to set an actual vision for the country. And uh, I think that's going to be a challenge for him because he's been so focused on trying to litigate the past. But somebody's got to get through to him. You can't undo 2020. It were to 2024, buddy. And people want a vision for America. They want to know how you're going to get inflation under control. They want to know how you're going to get gas prices under control. They want to know how you're going to solve the southern border, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, all of these things. That is where his focus should be now because he is going to be the Republican nominee as we've known for months. Well, the unofficial results have Trump at 51% with DeSantis at 21 and then Nikki Haley at 19. I was disappointed Vivek Ramaswamy didn't have the surprise that he also wanted. But you're right. I think a lot of people are thinking the memories of when he was president. They remember the economy was better and the fact that there weren't any wars. And hopefully people are banking on the fact that Donald Trump will get us back there. 
And you mentioned something interesting about the 2020 election. They were polling people, entrance polls, going into the caucus last night. And according to CBS News, 88% of the people asked thought that Joe Biden did not legitimately win in 2020. Yeah. And that's what they're holding on to still. Yeah, and and but again, it doesn't matter right now because you've got to you've got to focus on 2024. Everything for Trump going forward. I mean, Nikki I love Nikki Haley declaring some sort of moral victory finishing third and then acting like it's going to matter in New Hampshire, South Carolina. And saying it's a two-person race now. <laughs> she got what is she looking at? That's hilarious. It, 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 it and I I think the challenge is going to be how does Trump unite the Republican Party? Because there was a strong anti-Trump sentiment in 2016. But at the end, I think people said, hey, we definitely don't want Hillary. And so we've got to try to just hold our nose and vote for Trump. And there was just enough of, of that that he's able to get across the finish line. I think that gap has widened a little bit in terms of people who loathe Trump more than they loathed him in 2016. And I think he's got that's going to be a big lift because he's going to have to get all of those people back in the box somehow. And that's why I come back to if he were, you notice Trump's been pretty well behaved the past month or two. I mean, he's had these legal proceedings, but those, you know, not his fault, but he's been pretty well behaved. He hasn't like accused women of bleeding badly from a facelift or, you know, et cetera. Trump needs to be very well behaved over the next couple months. And and my point of all this is if he gets focused on the agenda and gets off the nicknames and gets off the Republican bashing, he's going to win. You don't need to bash Nikki Haley. You don't need to do any of this. Get focused on unifying the Republican Party mm-hmm. around an actual agenda because it will also lift these down ballot candidates who are going to be sorted out in their primaries coming up over the next several months. And it will give a unified platform, vision, et cetera, for the country. And that is 100 percent. That is 100 percent on Trump to do that right now. Well, there's still time for him to behave badly because he's now headed towards that E. Jean Carroll case, but there were just over 110,000 Republicans participating in the caucus this year, which was lower than in 2016, where there was 187,000. Could it have been the weather? Possibly. The National Weather Service did confirm that it was the coldest in its 50-year history, and even Donald Trump, he was acknowledging it, saying that uh, even if you vote and pass away, it it's worth it, you know, <laughs> he's saying, make it your last dying effort to put him back in the oval. But this is how it went down. 30 minutes in, CNN projecting that Donald <laughs> Trump won the caucus. Okay. All right, John King, we can now make a very important projection. CNN projects that Donald Trump will win the Iowa caucuses. CNN can make this projection based on his overwhelming lead in our entrance poll of Iowa caucus goers and some initial votes that are coming in. The former president pulling off a huge early victory in his bid to return to the White House. Trump easily defeating his top opponents. Ron DeSantis. Okay, so Ron DeSantis not happy about that because he was saying people in other counties were still voting when CNN started projecting that. And then everyone else followed suit with CBS and ABC and the Associated Press poll. You you texted me because, again, as I... 
fully disclosed yesterday, I was not having anything to do with this. I've mm-hmm. been a part of whatever it was, five or six of them, and I just reached a point where football was just more important to me than, you know, we were going to know the results, right? Yeah. And so you t- I thought it would be maybe one in the morning. <laughs> you texted me at like whatever it was, 730, and you're like, hey, CNN is calling it for trouble. I was like, that can't even possibly write. <laughs> I I, and I feel bad because I it might have come off rather condescending. I wasn't being that to you. I was just like, they haven't even started voting yet, Casey. And they're like, no, they're calling it. CBS is now too. I was like, that is really bad. And this is the world we live in where everybody wants to be first. And and if you're DeSantis or Nikki Haley, you probably were pissed off about that. Yep. Because it really is, well, what's the point of even being here? I'm Right. I'm people a- were still arguing the case for Ron DeSantis and uh, the networks and the mainstream media is already calling it for Trump. It was 831, by the way, when I texted you, CNN just called it for Trump. You said, LOL, it just started. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's what it is. OK, so I, I want to clarify something because. Tony and Hammer and Nigel handle this differently than than I have. Um, they're much more apt to fight with people on social. I've largely given that up unless you're a like a named, I mean, politicians or elected people or whatever. I will still certainly fight with them, but I've largely given up fighting with random people on social media. So I, I'm going to clarify this and then we're going to be done with it. I always will vote for the person that I think is best for the job. And I will tell you who I think is best for the job. Ron DeSantis, resume-wise, is light years ahead of where Donald Trump was in terms of how people govern because they you know, governed in the same time frame and how they handled issues. I am never going to apologize for saying that I think Ron DeSantis would be a markedly better president than Donald Trump will be, and Ron DeSantis governed far better than Donald Trump governed when he was president. That would be disingenuous. Part of the charm of the show is you're always going to hear exactly what we think. We're never going to take the easy road out. And I'm not going to lie to you now and be like, oh, yeah, Trump will be great. I think Trump is going to have many, many major issues as president, not just brought on by the swamp or the establishment or whatever. From his own doing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He has his whole life been a big government guy. He has no plans to shrink the scope or size of the federal government that I have heard laid out. Maybe you've heard it. I don't I don't know. But that to me is unacceptable. What Donald Trump did during COVID is unacceptable. So I'm not going to insult your intelligence just to get a few cheap applause lines from people on social media to have lied to you from the beginning and go, yeah, I think Trump would be the best. That being said, and I've Casey, I've been, if nothing consistent on this, I would 100% now he's going to be I said I would now I will 100% support Donald Trump against Joe Biden because he is a million times better than Joe Biden if you're taking some victory lap today because Donald Trump is the nominee then you're not really a person who's probably totally about the best government and that's okay you can vote on whatever drives you to the polls many many people it is about settling the score for 2020 many many people is about a middle finger at the establishment of this country and those are all great I choose to vote on who I think would govern the best and everybody's okay that's fine, 100%. But if you're taking some victory lap today on this, would you have felt the same way? If DeSantis had beaten Trump, 
Would you do the same thing I'm doing today, which is saying, hey, whoever it is, DeSantis or Trump, I'm going to be on board with that because it's for the best of the country. Would you have done the same thing today if the roles were reversed? And if the answer is no, then you need to check yourself because everybody's entitled to vote for who they think is best. Everybody's entitled to support whoever they want. But would you have done, because there's many Trump people out there who would not have done the right thing if Ron DeSantis somehow won Iowa. Well, we're going to hear from the candidates coming up on 93 WIBC. Well, Iowa doesn't pick the winner, but it does eliminate the loser, and they played their part in narrowing the presidential field once again. Okay, this is messed up, right, that Iowa gets to always be the First, chooser, right? They I mean, set it, the pace. Uh, it, I mean, why we don't in this country with the nomination cycle, because Iowa has its own primary separate from this, I think. It's not like they pick all their candidates at one time. It's not like Indiana where you go vote and, hey, it's president, it's Senate, it's governor. You're voting for all these things in the May primary. They have this special thing that they carve out, and it gets to dictate the path for everyone else. Wouldn't it make more sense to say, hey, we're going to, we're going to, and this is for both parties, we're going to block the country into quadrants. You know, you can go west, midwest. East, South, you know, you want to do it like the NFL right, divisions, which division are you in? Whatever. And say, hey, we're just going to rotate. So every 16 years, mm-hmm. you know, four, 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 your quadrant gets to go first. Wouldn't that make more sense? I mean, these candidates spend an entire year mm-hmm. in that state, which is, I, I think it has a couple more electoral votes than, than any. I think it has 11. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But it's not It's not like California or, or, or Texas. It's not some gigantic state. And all this time is spent in Iowa, which while at least a red state, and then New Hampshire, which isn't even a red state. It's, not, it's a blue, it's a purplish state. I mean, they go all over the map. And these two states get to dictate everything before you finally get to a more kind of hardcore traditional Republican state like South Carolina, that's crap. I've never wanted to live in Iowa before, except for last night when I was watching this all unfold on TV, and I thought, man, I'd like to be there caucusing for somebody. It's also part of the reason that we have such crap energy policy related to ethanol and things like that, Mm. because these candidates get beholden to these people in Iowa who it's all about corn and and I don't know, blame the people in Iowa. You want what you want and you want what's best for you and your family. Sure. But it's why we get all these, you know, mandates on ethanol and, you know, a certain percentage of this and that. And it's it's complete crap that this one relatively small state, as I would call Indiana a relatively small state, gets to set the entire pace for the rest of the country year in and you're out. Well, he did the double Grassley, Vivek Ramaswamy. He actually had an apartment there in <laughs> Iowa. That's how much he made a base there. Uh, but he did drop out of the race, turned around and endorsed Donald Trump. Jake Tapper from CNN said it was the earliest he can ever remember calling it for anybody. So how did Trump have such a commanding lead there in Iowa. Well, he did get some votes that he didn't have in 2016. He really rallied the white evangelicals and also the people who don't have a college degree. But at the end of the night, he was thanking Ron and Nikki. I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators. If I go through every name, we'll be here all night and everybody's going to get angry at me. But the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. 
That's great. Just do that. Just win your nomination and leave the other candidates alone. It's perfect. And then rally about winning the Oval Office. The problem with him is, because I saw people going, well, you didn't even listen. I know what he said last night. The problem is, a week from now, when they're in New Hampshire, he turned on Ramaswamy, Casey. Mm -hmm, Who had been nothing but nice to him. (laughs) There is like zero reason. Yes, you're right. His biggest fanboy. And at the end... He even turned on him, and this is the problem. It's not what he does now. It's what he does a week from now, because now it's New Hampshire, and Nikki Haley is uh, obviously not getting out and, and going full bore. Well, and according to her, it's still a two-ter- two-person race. It is uh, It is Trump and whoever's carrying the bags for him. That's who's racing. Nikki Haley said that we've had five great debates in this campaign. Unfortunately, Donald Trump has ducked out on all of them. Uh, he has nowhere left to hide. The next debate I will do will either be against Donald Trump or with Joe Biden. Biden. Okay, um, let's take a break, Casey. Mm-hmm. When we come back, there was uh, Caitlin Lang has a, a, been a reporter here in Indianapolis for quite a while, various outlets. She's now with an outlet called State Affairs, and that's one of those new kind of upstart digital uh, agencies we talked about that are kind of remaking the, the landscape here in central Indiana for covering government. And they have, Caitlin and State Affairs, have done a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous deep dive on the Indiana Economic Development Corporation Mm -hmm. and how, in many cases, they are totally not living up to the promises made by high-tax Holcomb at these press conferences, how they're not living up to you as a taxpayer. And we have been so critical of IEDC, and this report just blows the lid off everything we've been telling you. It's affirmation of everything we've been telling you. And she's going to join us next to talk about how you're putting a half a billion dollars every budget cycle to this organization and we're not getting information. In many cases, they're not succeeding by the standards they've set forth. This is this is going to be a fascinating conversation. It's coming up next with 93 WIBC. Back in the summer of 65, I was feeling more dead than alive. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's here. And Casey, you know the least favorite part of this show, what what that is. Is when you're right. Well, yes, and you know I'm loathe <laughs> to admit to the public when I was spot on about something. And, you know, one of our favorite topics here in the past couple months has been those no good, dirty, down, rotten, awful people over at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and we've talked about how, hey, look, you've got, I mean, this is, I'm, we're not going to use words like fraudsters and hucksters and underhanded and deceitful and elitist screwing you over but maybe we should be using words like that what words should we use well you know we've talked about how look what a what a scam this is that they're taking money from poor and middle class people and then they're giving it to some of the biggest corporations in the world and we really don't know how these corporations are actually doing. We get a big announcement from Governor Disingenuous, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of goes into the ether somewhere. Thankfully for us, Casey, yeah. somebody did some research, and oh my gosh, it's pretty damaging on the it's Indiana. It's pretty <laughs> damaging and very thorough. Yeah. My goodness. This is some phenomenal reporting, and uh, the, the woman who did it joins us now on the WIBC Hotline. Her name is Caitlin Lang. She's from stateaffairs.com. Caitlin, this was a phenomenal piece on the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Tell us how you went about putting it together. Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, Basically, I was trying to figure out, uh, along with my reporting partners at Fox 59 and CBS 4, we were trying to figure out how successful is the IEDC, because to your point earlier, uh, you know, there's not a ton of transparency 
on the outcomes of how many jobs or how much investment these companies actually bring to Indiana once they land these tax credits. So uh, when searching for a way to figure out how successful these tax credits are, I found one that has a little bit of transparency. That's the Hoosier Business Investment Tax Credit. So went through that uh, to get a feel for how often companies that receive that tax credit actually met their investment goals. Uh, and then we found out at least one in three of those projects did not meet the goals listed in their contracts. And this is phenomenal. Caitlin Lang is our guest. She has a great piece over at stateaffairs.com, which you can read. The title of it is Holcomb Tout's Record-Breaking Capital Investment Numbers Every Year. They may not be the whole picture. And you just mentioned at least one in three fails to live up to kind of the deal that Holcomb touts with the taxpayer when he cuts the ribbon and makes the big announcement. But you said it could be closer to 56%. Correct. That's because, uh, so we know for sure one in three do not meet those goals, but there's an additional uh, project that we don't know because the IEDC stops tracking what's called the qualified investment on those contracts early. So once those companies get their tax credits, we don't know if they ever meet their goals. So again, this this is one of the uh, tax credits with the most transparency, and there's still a lot we don't know. Okay, Caitlin, let's break this down so that uh, your average Joe can understand. Company comes to the state of Indiana and says, I want to invest all of this money. State of Indiana says, fantastic, it's going to create all of these jobs, and we're going to give you this tax break to, for doing that. But then they do a little bit of it but then they don't complete the project, yet they're still receiving all the benefits from the tax break. Is that correct? So how it's supposed to work is, yes, you don't get the full tax credit until you reach your full, again, what's called qualified investment, which I know is a super wonky term, but basically (laughs) just money spent on buildings, equipment, that sort of thing. So you're not supposed to get the full tax credit until you reach that money uh, of investment. But we did find that because of some ambiguous sort of Mm -hmm. contradictory language in the contract, companies are able to get that full tax credit before they reach that investment commitment number. So there were, uh, you know, I think we believe, I, I believe we found one out of five of these contracts were able to receive the full tax credit before they met those investment commitment numbers. And again, we don't know if they ever met those investment commitment numbers because the IEDC stopped publicly tracking those numbers after the fact. So that's the thing, Caitlin, is when you're talking about the IEDC, the Economic Development Corporation, you're talking about a quasi-government agency, and there's no way I look at this and say this wasn't set up by design because, like you're pointing out, they don't play by the same rules the rest of government does, and that's pathetic. It takes someone like you to get any information, much less, you know, even with your skill set, you can only put so much of the puzzle together. Right, right. And I will just, you know, out of fairness, point out that None of these companies, um, uh, let me rephrase that, all of these companies that do get a tax credit are at least investing some money. So it's not like any of these companies are coming in and getting our tax dollars without having invested anything. So obviously the IEDC's argument is this isn't some big failure. This is still a success even when these projects don't meet their commitment goals because it's still new money invested in the state of Indiana. It's still new tax dollars. It's still new jobs. So That's when argument. So when Eric Holcomb in his final state of the state speech, he 
that the IEDC is going to attract like $28 billion worth of capital investment from companies. We, the state may not actually get the $28 billion worth. Like they don't see it all the way through to fruition. Correct. Correct. We have, we have no way of knowing how much of that $28.7 billion the state is actually going to attract or actually has attracted over the last year. Uh, I did ask Governor Holcomb last week, you know, obviously he touts these job commitment, investment commitment numbers a lot, but, you know, why doesn't he focus on the actual investment numbers? Yes, correct, correct. And he said, oh, yeah, we'd be happy to talk about those numbers. My office can share that with you, but they never (laughs) did respond to emails asking for the actual level of investment last year in, in 2023. So, so wait, wait, wait. I want to make sure, know. Caitlin, I just want to make sure I heard that correct. So the, you asked Holcomb about this. He goes, oh, yeah, my office will be happy to give you that information. You did the correct thing, which is said, here, Mr. Uh, office worker, uh, the governor said you'd be happy to give this to me, and they have not given that to you. Correct. And this was uh, a week ago, I guess, but I had asked for this, and I have not received that information yet. Why do you think that the IEDC stops tracking it? Because they reach a certain level and then they quit keeping track. Why is that? Yeah, their their response is that they're more focused on uh, on other metrics, I guess. So they're still, and I point this out in my story, they are still tracking total capital investment, not just qualified investment, which was that portion I mentioned earlier, you know, buildings, equipment, that sort of thing. So they're still internally tracking how much investment these companies are making, but that's not a number the public gets to see. So the the number that the public gets to see is the one they stop tracking early. Um, and again, their argument is, well, these companies already received the max tax credit, so why require them to still go through the hoops to track how much qualified investment they're actually making. Uh, Caitlin Lang is our guest. She has a great new piece out at stateaffairs.com, stateaffairs.com. Holcomb touts record-breaking capital investment numbers every year. They may not tell, not may not be the whole picture. Uh, a great piece. Okay, so a lot of the scrutiny over IEDC has now come because of this whole LEAP project, and everybody seems to be up in arms other than the mayor of Lebanon and a couple of high-ranking Indiana officials over LEAP. Um, I'm curious now, do you think we're going to see further digging into IEDC? Obviously, you guys did this great piece. I just think of all the effort it took to get this information. But now a lot of people are going, wait a second, what is this organization? What does it actually do? And how do they spend our money? Certainly. And I think it's always a good thing whenever you have more stories looking into these sorts of uh, agencies, government entities. I think there are a lot of eyes on the IDC right now because the LEAP district, I know we plan to do more stories, again, with our partners at Box 59 and CBS4. Uh, but there's also just going to be more information that comes out about the LEAP district in the next couple months, uh, year, as we wait to get back some of the information on the water studies the LEAP district or the IEDC is doing for the LEAP district. So definitely expect more reporting on that from, you know, us and other reporters and, and the media. And then also we have two gubernatorial candidates that used to lead the IEDC. Yeah. So I just with that, them in the race, 
you can't ignore the state agency. Hey, before we let you go, Caitlin, tell us about stateaffairs.com because we did a whole episode of Statehouse Happenings, which airs Sunday mornings on WIBC. Abdul, Jim Merritt, and I, most of that episode talking about kind of these new medias that are out there that are covering the Statehouse. It's no longer, hey, it's just us and, and Indie Star. There's a whole new gamut of, of media organizations, many of them virtual. You guys are kind of one of those. So tell us about State Affairs because I think it's great you guys are out doing this sort of reporting. Yeah, it's I'm I love that there's so many media outlets right now actually focused on state house reporting. It is fabulous. It allows us to all cover different things uh, that previously would have been overlooked just because there weren't enough of us. But yeah, State Affairs is a digital only website. We have two parts of our website: uh, a citizen focused part that. Uh, I write for that focuses on stories for everyday Hoosiers on the state house. So that's, you know, how that's investigations. That's how some of these bills would impact you and your wallets. And then we have another part of the website that is focused on information that insiders might need to know about this bill made it out of committee. So it's really a, a two pronged approach there. Stateaffairs.com is the website. You can read the piece right there. Caitlin Lang, uh, phenomenal job reporting on these no good, rotten scoundrels over at the IEDC. (laughs) You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice work, Caitlin. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. You can have a cage. I cannot believe you're going to play this. What? You sent it to me. I think we need to discuss. Oh, so now it's my fault. <laughs> yes. We're talking about, well, let's just play it and then we'll talk about it. You want to okay? just get into it? Let's just so this get is, into it. This is a clip that is sur- uh, surfacing around the internet. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if it's legitimate, if it's satire although that's the crazy thing casey the world is messed up enough that these people you can't now distinguish Mm -hmm. this is clearly satire or or not these people purport to enjoy the swinger lifestyle Mm -hmm. and they do it at all uh, of all places casey yeah at walt disney world yep let's listen Anyone who knows me and my long-term boyfriend know that we meet a lot of our friends online these days. We have made a ton of friends in the Disney community, a majority of which we have met on Swingers Upon Main. This is an app for swingers by swingers. Swingers that love Disney. Ashley and I love to swing all over Walt Disney World Resort. The Grand Floridian. Main Street, USA. Cinderella's Castle. Space Mountain. And people love to drink around the world. Well, how about swinging around the world? <laughs> our favorite. Swing Upon Maine has Disney lovers from all over the world and we all just come together in the most magical place on earth and heck why not call it the most fun place on earth too. We don't just trade pins at Magic Kingdom. We trade partners. Oh boy! <laughs> okay. You can download the app. No, no that's enough. So he, he's look, wearing a Lightning McQueen T-shirt, and she's wearing a Ratatouille T-shirt. So look, I, for longtime listeners of this show, you'll you know, years ago I used to talk about I had some friends who were very into the swinger lifestyle, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Whatever you do, whoever you, whatever, that's your business. Leave me out of it. But it's one thing to do it in private, and these people, like you'd see them at a PTO meeting, and you'd be like, "What? They're the best parents in the world. Great kids, nice house, good jobs. They did that in their own private time." 
this is super weird that you do this at Walt Disney World where a bunch of kids hang out and something that's supposed to be designed for children, right? Right, exactly. I just came across a Facebook group. It's uh, Disney World Junkies for Swingers. And then that makes me wonder about the Disney Adults Only Cruises. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, that's super weird and that you're out like that about it. I mean, again, car- Disney, cartoons, movies, kids, mm-hmm. hello, and you're out there talking about how you're hooking up with randos that's creepy. That's a collaboration I don't think needed to happen. Disney and swinging. You're, you're desperate to talk about your neighbors, aren't you? My neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not desperate to talk about it, but there's something going on there. There's the upside down pineapple. Ha- oh, there's a what? The upside down pineapple. What is that? Well, that's the sign. The, the, the upside down pineapple. Kev's nodding in agreement. How do you know this, Kevin? You're yeah. as pure as the wind-driven snow. I've uh, done a little research. Mm-hmm. What? So somebody puts a pineapple upside down on their porch? That's a signal to other yeah. people that they're swingers. Like yeah. if you're driving by, do drop uh-huh. in. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you know this? I, I've I, done some research. I think I've <laughs> actually like heard Kevin. this. I think I've heard this from Casey. So literally, you're, show before. Yeah. you're driving by the house and there's an upside down pineapple and that's supposed to be a code to someone. Yeah. Well, you know, the the rug, when you walk in and you wipe your feet, uh-huh. the, the, the mat outside the yeah. front door, it's a uh, pineapple, but it's turned the other way. Get out of here. So it's upside down. What if the rug just got turned like in the winter or the mailman or the dog or well, something? Well, based on who I've seen coming and going. Oh, you are creeping on your neighbors. Well, You're I'm that not person. creeping. I'm just aware wasn't there of what's a, going on around wasn't me. Wasn't there a Hitchcock movie where the guy just watched things through the window? Wasn't that the, That's you. Well, I You're can't the modern see day, through their window. But you can see through yours, and you're clearly <laughs> in other people's business. When I'm Don't out, move next to Casey. When I'm out walking the dog, oh, I tend sure. to notice things of who's coming and going and the upside-down pineapple. And, yeah, I, I, I think that... There might be something happening over there. You two just live in a very sick world, and I don't want <laughs> any part of I it. I didn't choose to be surrounded by this stuff, okay? <laughs> it came have, to you. Do we have to go to a break? <laughs> yeah, we do. We've got Nikki Kelly. She's going to join us Oh, next. my gosh. There's so much going on at the State House right now. The underachievers down the street from us session in full fling. We've got them doing nothing on taxes. we got alcohol drama. Oh, so much going on. Yep, that's on the way from 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good morning.